They want to live without the fear of discrimination due to the appearance of their skin. You know, in the context of June 2020 and Black Lives Matters and racism, this seems to be a very timely thing that the patients are brought up. That's Dr. Harvey Louie, professor of dermatology at the University of British Columbia. He's our guest in this episode of the JCMS Author Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Barber, the editor-in-chief of the Journal of Cutaneous Medicine and Surgery and a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Calgary. Today, we're going to speak with Dr. Harvey Louie about the article he authored in our March-April 2020 issue of the Journal of Cutaneous Medicine and Surgery. The article is titled, Developing a Patient Charter for People Living with Conditions, Diseases, or Traumas Involving the Skin. I selected this article for CME credit because I thought it was a conversation that we needed to have. This is the era of patient-centric care, and I thought that having a charter that is Canadian is important, and we should learn more about it. Harvey, thanks for joining me. Good morning. So rights protect us all. Your skin protects you. This charter protects you and your skin. That's the logo on this skin patient charter of rights. What prompted you and the Canadian Skin Patient Alliance to actually try and uh, put together a document like this? Well, actually, um, it wasn't me that prompted it. In fact, it, it actually arose from the patients. My involvement with the uh, Canadian Skin Patient Alliance, CSPA, actually dates back to um, 10 years ago. So, you know, more than 10 years ago, the uh, CSPA, um, you know, had some meetings to get officially underway. And uh, 2019 was actually their official 10th anniversary. So it was the 10th anniversary of the CSPA. And it's been an organization that's always been for patients, by patients. And so I assist them. But definitely all of this is driven by patients. And so they came up with the idea and the importance of having what they call a patient charter, uh, a document, uh, hopefully it will become a living document, but a document that um, deals with key issues that they feel are important that they want to bring to the table, if you will, when they access medical care and when they interact with the broader society. So that's the, the motivation was all from the patients and they look to us for assistance in guiding them as to what kinds of things could be done, should be done, what's practical, what's impractical. But uh, all of what's embodied in this patient charter uh, comes from the heart. It comes from what they feel is really important to them and what, what really matters to them. So your paper that we published in uh, March-April of this year was really about the development of this document and it was a group of people that got together an invitation representing a variety of patient groups and yourself to try and put this sort of documentation together when you when you looked in the literature in the world is this a unique thing actually this is unique it's unique for dermatology it's unique for patients who have skin disorders it's not unique uh, in medicine but this is, to our knowledge, the first time that these principles have been put forward in a very specific context as they relate to uh, patients with skin problems. And so there are some general aspects that 
you know, kind of apply to all patients, but there are actually a number of specific points that uh, patients have brought up uh, in developing the charter. For example, uh, one of the key points that the patients have brought up uh, that perhaps we as dermatologists don't think of on a daily basis, um, but to them, it's, it's what they have to live with every day. Uh, one of the points they brought up is they want to live without the fear of discrimination due to the appearance of their skin. And, you know, when this was first developed, we thought, yeah, this makes sense. It sounds like motherhood. But, you know, in the context of June 2020, um, and Black Lives Matters and racism, this seems to be a very uh, prescient and a very timely thing that the patients are brought up. You know, the way your skin looks and the way other people react to you based on your appearance has profound implications for your personal well-being. Um, and it can lead to tragic consequences, as we're now learning. Uh, but even for those who have any kind of skin problem, they have to live with the prospect of having people judging them, assessing them, thinking differently of them only because of what is on their skin. And, and that's what you know the patients identified uh, in developing this Canadian charter that was not actually incorporated into other charters that we saw in the literature. So it was a Canadian development to add this part about making sure we recognize that people feel discriminated because of the way their skin looks when they have some type of disorder. Now, of course, we know that people will feel discriminated simply because of the color of their skin. But in addition, you know, those who have something different about their skin, I think it's that when you don't look like me or you don't look like the average person or you don't look like what we consider a normal person, then you're someone who should be feared or ostracized or treated differently. That, that's the issue. So we're going to have always have difficulty defining normal these days. I mean, there are multiple normals. And when what what should the dermatologist take away from this charter? I mean, it's you know, I understand the discrimination and, and, and trying to help people uh, deal with their skin disease to try and make them as normal as you can as a physician. But how do we operationalize this charter? I mean, as you've said, it's, a, it's it, life without fear of discrimination is kind of a motherhood statement. But when I'm sitting across the table from my patient, um, how do I bring that forward as a dermatologist and tell them, Okay, what can I do to help you live a better life? Yeah, the, well, I think that by and large, um, the patients feel that dermatologists get it. So dermatologists are highly respected by their patients. Uh, they are highly valued for their knowledge, for their skills. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's much of a, an issue with respect to the quality. I, I think the issue for patients is access. There just aren't enough of us to take care of all of them. Skin disease is common, all right? Dermatologists aren't in reality, you know, relative to the need. And so uh, patients are wanting to make sure that the people who they're seeing, their dermatologists, um, are, uh, you know, when they see them, that they 
they value our time. They really do. They value the time they have with us, and they value our advice. They value our skills.、Um, but how can they, you know, how can they make the most of these encounters with us? And how can they have more of these encounters? And how can we have more medical professionals and healthcare professionals being able to provide these types of services to them? So,、uh, I I don't think the issue for the patients is one of Um, quality and and you know in developing this charter there was no attempt to criticize what dermatologists do. What it really was is an acknowledgement of the quality that already exists. But how can we improve on it? How can we make it better? And how can we actually make ourselves aware of some of the special issues? That we may not internalize and think about, but that patients are aware. So I, I mentioned one thing that patients with skin disease actually do feel discriminated against. Another dimension to their concerns、um, is that they actually want to have acknowledgement that their skin disease can have profound effects on their physical, emotional, social, and financial well-being. Now we understand that, but you know, for the patient who has a skin problem. I bet you a patient with、uh, bad psoriasis has never received a get well card. You know, if you have a heart attack or something serious happens to you, you end up in the hospital. People will come and visit you. You'll get flowers. You'll get sympathy. You get to assume what we call the sick role. Dermatology patients, patients with skin disorders, are not allowed to assume the sick role. They're not accorded that right to feel that they have. Medical needs that should be acknowledged. I, I, you know, when was the last time any of your patients told you that they got a get well card just because of their skin disorders? Well, I've certainly never been told that. But you know what? I'm going out to buy a package. Yeah,、uh, I think that is outstanding. So you know, the telephone call. How are you doing with your skin? Ah, I'm on Biologic X Y Z. My skin is clear. I'm going to send a card. Yeah. Well, I think I think that would be. I don't. I'm not doing it to make fun. I'm doing it to acknowledge the fact that that they've come a long way. That that they're better, and now together we can get you out into a better life, less discrimination, all the things that they wanted. I, I think that's brilliant. Well, and and I think it, it speaks to you know a number of other issues. In、uh, related to dermatology as well, not only will these patients not feel that they get to assume the sick role, they don't get the sympathy, the empathy from society,、mm-hmm. uh, their friends, their employers, or whoever.、Uh, but they actually will have people discriminate against them. So we've already talked about that. But we have people; they will have people who are afraid of them. You know, they they if they、oh, have a visible、sure. skin disease. You know how many of your psoriatic patients have told you that they've been asked to leave the swimming pool, right? Oh, many, many, many. Yeah. Yep.、Uh, Banff Hot Springs. People come vacation. They're 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 all asked to leave. Yeah, exactly. So this universal. The, you know,、yeah. this happens to you, and you eventually internalize it, and and then you start feeling unworthy. But you know, not only do they not acknowledge my skin problem as being legitimate, they don't want me near them. Because they don't want to catch what I have. So again, these are little things that, unless you live with a skin disease and experience it, you you don't get it. And so patients in putting forth this charter wanted to make sure that everyone understands these little things that they have to deal with. You know, for example, if if you want to go back to 
the Black Lives Matters types of issues that we're now coping with. You know, if you're black and then you're in the States and you're a young man, you know, you think twice about how you behave when you're in the presence of authority. Right. And, and that's not something that maybe you or I would even think twice about because we assume that the police will treat us with respect and care and and whatever. But, you know, if you've got the color of skin that is not like everyone else or, you know, if you've got a color of skin that's dark, then people fear you. And so people fear patients with skin disease to some extent. Um, the other thing. The, the other key um, unique thing that the Canadian patients brought forward in developing uh, the charter was they wanted to make sure that all the wonderful developments that we have in dermatology, I mean, there's never been a better time to be a dermatologist than now when you think about all the really cool and unique treatments that we have to offer. You know, we've gone from the days of using you know, something stinky, smelly, and messy to stuff that is really elegant, very potent, and very targeted. Uh, and patients know this, but they want to be able to access these um, great treatments, and we want to be able to make it available to them. So uh, I think it's really important that the patients have said, you know, let us in. Um, you know, it's just skin disease. No, it's not just skin disease. This is something that affects our lives in a major way. And we pay, we're taxpayers, we're humans, we're people, we're productive members of society, and we deserve the right to have access to these treatments. So, so ad advocacy. Yeah, advocacy. It's really what, what we really need from the dermatologist. Uh, exactly. Well, I, I think they definitely want us on their side, so to speak, and we are on their side. But there are some, you know, aspects of the things we do that, um, you know, they wonder about sometimes. For example, another uh, seemingly minor motherhood issue that they've raised with us uh, through the charter is they want us to or they want everybody to maintain their dignity respect, and confidentiality during exams, procedures, and treatments. Um, you know, in order for us to examine a patient, we have to take off their clothes, or they have to take off their own clothes, uh, and then we stare at them. You know, we look at their skin from head to toe if you're doing a skin cancer check. That is a very intimidating thing to be subjected to. And, you know, we do it every day. It's just a routine thing for us. But for that person coming to us, you know, that was a major event. That That is an event that they have to get psyched up over. They have to think about. They have to process it. And they worry about it. And, you know, they plan for it. For us, it's just a routine thing. Um, but I, I never realized until you actually asked these patients um, how they feel about the physical examination process. Some of them find it uh, very traumatic um, and... I think we need to be sensitive uh, about the importance of making sure that we respect their dignity. Uh, we all do. I, I think I don't think any of my colleagues are not dignified, but I think there are you know unspoken concerns that the patient won't bring up. But if we go that extra mile to acknowledge the um, uh, the importance of privacy, confidentiality, I, I think that makes a huge difference. I, I don't think it's, you know, we should just assume that, you know, the patient wants to tear off their clothes in order for us to do the mo check. It still has to be respectful. 
So tell me, how did you change your practice? How did I change my practice? Well, I, I think this yeah. is one of those situations where I didn't change my practice too dramatically. Um, uh, it's very important whenever you're doing uh, things related to CME and education and advocacy to have the current practices you're doing affirmed. So uh, in a teaching environment, you know, we're supposed to be model teachers. We're supposed to be um, model, modeling the, the ideal way to handle your patients. So I, I like to think that in my practice that I'm modeling what would be ideal. Um, but, you know, we're not perfect. And I think it always is good to be reminded uh, that when you're examining a patient, that you've got to do it respectfully, that you've got to uh, treat patients um, with uh, a lot of understanding, empathy. Um, you know, that, that, you know, it's not just, you know, there's the psoriatic in room three and the melanomas in room one. I mean, these are people, mm -hmm. right? And, and if you think about it, yeah. you just think about your own situation. Um, anytime someone, some member from your family goes to see a doctor, it is actually a family event. Because what happens whenever anyone from any family goes to see a doctor, when they all come together that evening, if, they, if they're lucky enough to have a family dinner or they just get together, what's the first question that's asked? The first mm, question... What did the doctor say? Thank you. Yeah. What did the doctor say? Mm -hmm. Right? It is an event to come and see you. It's an event to come and see us. We take it for granted. We don't realize that for these patients, you know, that was a major event. You know, for us, it was one of... 30, 40, 50 interactions that day. But for that patient, mm -hmm. that was the main event. The whole family is going to be talking about that for that the rest of the day. Now, um, think back to our teachers. It was a very different world back then because then it was very doctor-centric. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you know, the first question, why didn't you undress this person completely? Why, you know, it wasn't a matter of, did you ask, did you, did you, did you pray proper respect? It was more a matter of, okay, in order to evaluate this person properly, why didn't you undress them? Did, did you look between their toes? You know, and, and it was very different. Uh, and, and I wonder about, about how this generation of physicians that you're training, how different they're going to be in their practices than, than you and I were when we started our practice. Hopefully we've evolved over time and taken on many of these characteristics of society that are that making us more engaged with people and are more patient-centric. But it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, you missed the melanoma because it was on the buttock and you wouldn't let me examine you. Yeah, well, I, I actually think the, the modern medical student, if you will, um, they get a lot of really great training on communications and empathy. Um, you know, sometimes if you ask them basic science questions, they, they stop and have to think a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, they got their smartphone handy and as soon as you turn your back on them, they're looking up whatever the answer is supposed to be <laughs> anyway. But that's okay. I mean, you know, um, if, if you can get access to uh, information easily, then why not? Uh, so I, I think... The modern medical students are great. Uh, they have uh, been taught a lot of these uh, skills and a lot of these approaches. Uh, actually, I've had a few medical students kind of call me out. Um, you know, we can learn from each other. Uh, I, I, mm -hmm. I, I think that um, 
we can learn from our patients. Uh, times are changing. Uh, we have to realize that um, the times when we could just say, you know, you are patient and you will do what I uh, tell you to, uh, those are long gone and long over. Um, I must admit, I prefer being a knowledge facilitator to our patients to be the one who gives them the information and let them decide um, because it actually takes some of the load off of my shoulders. Okay. In the, in the world of uh, telemedicine, um, what do you think the people that you sat around this table would, would say that they might want from a telehealth slash medicine visit? Uh, that's a great question. Well, I, I wouldn't even pretend to begin to um, speak on behalf of the patients in terms of what they want. I can guess and speculate about what they might want um, because I'm also a healthcare consumer. I, you know, I have my own doctor and I've got medical issues. Uh, I, I think they like the timeliness of it. I think they like the convenience of it. Um, there are aspects of it that I think they do find frustrating. For example, um, you know, some of my follow-up patients who have well-established histories of skin cancer and, you know, chronic actinic keratosis, and I do a telehealth visit with them and they go, Dr. Louis, can't I just come in for the liquid nitrogen? Because they know what they need. And, you know, can you, can you somehow send it over the phone to me? So I, I totally agree with it. We're going to have to find that sweet spot where uh, things that, telemedicine is great at we will do and things that telemedicine is not so good at we shouldn't waste our time with it uh, and I think patients patients intuitively sense that they don't want to waste their time either right do you think that the advocacy role of uh, dermatologists is sufficient enough to make a difference to take this charter and 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 run with it I mean are there people at government level and I assume that those are the people we start with that we should be bringing this charter to, um, to in, in order to help the uh, organizations like the, the Canadian Skin Patient Alliance uh, present this charter? Well, I think the first step is going to be to simply disseminate this charter and make people aware of it within the dermatology community. That means, you know, patients, um, healthcare professionals, ourselves, um, family doctors who deal with uh, skin problems, other specialists who deal with skin problems. Uh, so that's, that's step one. Uh, it is basically a, a kind of a summary of key principles that should guide how you know we approach uh, different aspects of managing uh, skin problems. Uh, you know, one of the, the limitations that we, we wrote about in the uh, paper is that, you know, this, is not, this hasn't got any teeth, right? I mean, this is not like the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms where you can go to the Supreme Court and get a ruling and, you know, that will change the way the law is applied uh, at a charter level. So it's not that kind of charter. Uh, but it was really meant to, the overriding goal here was to raise awareness and to provide a tool for education. There are some things that are, as we said, motherhood, obvious, basic things, but there are some unique aspects to what the patients are saying. And I think it's important for us to listen to those um, aspects that they're, you know, well, to listen to all of it, but especially the unique stuff that applies to the skin. Um, you know, anytime you're 
produce a document like this, you know, we're going to raise ex expectations. That's the goal. Uh, will we meet these expectations? I, I think we can. Um, and if we can't, then, you know, people will get frustrated. We might get frustrated. But then out of frustration comes action. And then out of action comes um, growth and improvement, right? Change. Is there a dissemination plan for this charter? Yeah, so we are are going to disseminate it, the CSPA at least, is going to disseminate it to dermatologists. We will promote it. Thank you and the JCMS for publishing this. Uh, and, and this is a key tool for the dermatology community to um, become aware of it. Uh, COVID is perhaps interrupted the um, public relations plan, but you know, this is here to stay. And I'm also going to, um, be encouraging CSPA to move this forward to the international level. So uh, luckily, you know, we have good uh, connections with the international community through the ILDS, the International League of Derm Societies. There is actually an international patient organization uh, group for skin disease. And I think the Canadian Charter could be perhaps the uh, blueprint for an international charter. Uh, it's not a given all around the world that the things that we talk about in the Canadian Charter apply um, universally. Uh, many, many people around the world, um, some of these basic things would be things they could only dream of. Things that we can do in Canada would be dreams for people in other parts of the world. So I'm thinking about COVID not interfering with the communication strategy, but giving us a great example of a communication strategy, not going to the streets, but it did give the sense that people with enough uh, uh, courage can be can be listened to, and and that and the messages can come forward with enough people getting together to push them forward. So I want to see a pamphlet in my office. I want to see some posters in my office. I want to give a pamphlet to every patient, and um, and let that that power to the people. Um, gel and uh, push it forward because because uh, I think the CSPA is kind of acting in isolation in, in in some respects. I don't think they've made a great connection to the patient base. And the patient base being huge, of course. Um, but um, I'd like to see that, and I'd like to be part of that. And I think dermatologists across this country would like to be part of that. So yeah, no, definitely. I hope you'll carry that message over for sure. Yeah, could, you know when because I think that's important. Yeah, when we started uh, the C CDA, when I was the president, uh, you know, ten years ago, or I guess eleven years ago, that was when we uh, gave the CSPA its first grant and partnered with them and and told everyone that this is um, an important thing. You know, if everything we say and do is in the name of patient care then where the hell are the patients in terms of having some type of representation uh, within the system? And I think CSPA is ideally poised to uh, represent uh, a large part of that patient voice. Well, I'm very glad that, that you could join me, that we could be part of this movement, because I think it'll uh, look good on us all when we get to the point where people can actually feel less discriminated against because of their skin and they can get more empathy in our offices and be part of and engaged in the actual examination and treatment process. Uh, I, I think your work has uh, really been wonderful over these past 10 years in order to lead and spearhead this charge amongst our community. Well, it's been fun and I think the best is yet to come actually. <laughs>
All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate your taking the time to, to educate us on this. And remember, I want those pamphlets. Yep. We will, we will wow. ship a truckload to you <laughs> to Calgary. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was Dr. Harvey Louis, Professor of Dermatology and Skin Science at the University of British Columbia. Dr. Louis is also the medical director at the Skin Care Center in Vancouver, as well as the Lions Laser Skin Center and the Psoriasis and Phototherapy Clinics. Dr. Louis is also past president of the International League of Dermatologic Societies. Dr. Louis has long been an advocate for patient-centered care. His involvement with the Canadian Skin Patient Alliance started approximately 10 years ago when he became an advocate for the society and was instrumental in its development. The conversation we had today was important and I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you will stand up Put the skin patient charter of rights in your office and start to talk about it. I'm Kirk Barber. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed your time with us. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes and share this with our colleagues and on your social media channels. So until next time, be good to each other. This podcast is supported by an educational grant by Bosch Health, made available through the CDA Corporate Supporter Program.